Spags, it's Monday, and we're flipping things around this week. We're going to do a draft today. Yeah, we got to dig in on the USFL more on Friday because hopefully there'll be some DFS salaries and more to talk about. But we're going to do a super flex best ball draft over on Underdog Fantasy today. Have a little fun doing that. We're also going to touch more on the USFL. You might have seen Pete's preview on his new Deposit Kingdom channel. We got even more to hit on, including some of the bets that are floating out there on Fox Bet. So, Pete, let's hit that intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing on this fine Monday? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, I've had a, a busy morning. Uh, wrote the newsletter, got that new USFL video out, just made myself a taco salad for lunch, and now we're ready for the favorite part of my day, drafting with you, Spags. Oh, it is always a joy here. We've been crushing it over on Underdog, and you can crush it along with us today. So go use that promo code SPLASH over at Underdog Fantasy to double your deposit. Up to $100 on there. It's a great way to get into the mix. Still a lot of fun doing these super flex drafts, but there'll be even more best ball tournaments, including ones that our pal Drico won uh, earlier this year. Actually, no, Drico won on FFPC. Who, it was Liam who won on, on Underdog, Liam. right? Yeah, yeah. But the okay, Deposit yeah, Kingdom, right? way, doing well. One, so they're the <laughs> proof right. of concept somewhere yeah. there. But go play over on Underdog and play along with us on today's draft, which will be hitting in a little bit here. And I guess I, I Drico was on the mind because Pete mentioned right before the show uh, that he brought to our Splash Play Discord that there is, in fact, a real-life playmaker situation going on, Pete, in Miami. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle digging in perhaps for a foot race. And as we all know, as playmakers taught us, this is the one way that men can truly test the metal of each other. Tyreek talked mm. about... Gonna be deadly. He wants a race. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he has to establish his dominance as the <laughs> fastest man on the team. Are you open and willing to accept that challenge? Uh, look, I already knew this was coming. As soon as I seen it, I'm literally in the middle of workout. My trainer comes like, man, I just got Tyreek Hill. I'm like, I'm running around the gym. I'm like, okay then, whatever. <laughs> but boy, I think the next day I see I say, man, I know he's gonna try to race. Let me get on those legs real quick. <laughs> Hit the legs. I'm like, I already knew that was coming. Yeah, well, we for sure gonna. I already know it's gonna come. We for sure, I don't know if it's gonna be like in front of people or. He the fastest I done seen in person or played against, and that's hard. He can move. Yeah, he can move. He got the first three steps. He, we got he, a running back, move. 23 miles per hour too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Moisture. Moisture. Yeah, y'all got bad. a real track team now. I am athlete getting the hot goss here. Uh, just a quick search right now reveals Tyreek Hill's clocked 40 time, 4.29 seconds. Uh, Jalen Waddle is in fact clocked at 4.37 seconds, which, you know, that 0.08 seconds, Pete, for you and me, probably not a huge difference. But for NFL players, I don't see how Jalen Waddle would be even close. I, I don't think they would be that close either. Although, you know, we did see Tyreek Hill in that, what was it? The 40 yard dash at the, was it at the pro bowl where he just completely phoned it in? Um, but I, I do love this. He's like, yeah, man, I was stoked to get Tyreek Hill on the team. And Tyreek Hill's like, yeah, man, I was stoked to join the dolphins, but now we must determine wide receiver supremacy through a foot race. Uh, I do think that's a losing proposition, uh, for Waddle there. And, uh, the Dolphins probably don't want to see that happening either. No need to have one of these guys pull a hamstring uh, in some vanity race. 
Obviously, this is something that you and I can't do. And, uh, you know, I we already have the chat. We have Topstat uh, saying, you know, any takes on the something that we'll we talk about in a second here. But I feel like this might be too controversial, Pete. I would kill to be able to talk like Jalen Waddle. Like, I couldn't look like myself anymore. But to have that kind of, like, syrupy talk that, like, guys from the South have, like, that would be my dream in life. Because for me, as, uh, you know, a Northeastern person grew up in New York, spent time in L.A., kind of ended up with something in between there. Like, there is something so uh, so beautiful about the way that he talks. I'll say the word beautiful, that I just wish I could do that without being a complete fraud. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I guess I don't know exactly what you're hinting at, but uh, <laughs> however you need to talk around here, Spags, I'll try to support you unless it's it's racist. And, and honestly, this is one take, I guess, that we should get out right away. And then what Topstat was talking about, the Adam Schefter tweet over the weekend, Dwayne Haskins, you know, we, we certainly uh, were one of the shows that, like anybody in the fantasy football industry, I think, talked about Dwayne Haskins and some of the drawbacks as a QB. But when a guy does pass away in a tragic situation like Dwayne Haskins did after, you know, career at Ohio State, where he certainly made some fans for himself, also him going into the pros and certainly, you know, a, a guy that beloved by his teammates, you could see by the outpouring of support there. Uh, just it's kind of time, Pete, where you don't really bring that stuff up. And you have any thoughts on it? Because I do feel like I get Adam Schefter. I do think there's this vaguely lack of self-awareness thing that goes on a lot. I know a football wire, uh, football wire over at USA Today was talking about um, Sean Taylor when he passed. Like Mike Wilbon went in on him and like his his criminal lifestyle or whatever. And Colin Coward did similar things. And this is something the media does a lot where they just kind of forget these guys are humans. And ultimately, like forever, Dwayne Haskins did and or didn't do as a football player, like. His, him being gone at 24 is one of the most tragic things I think we'll see this offseason or, you know, in many offseasons. Yeah, sorry. I am uh, got a little distracted uh, with something here. I'm trying to figure out on the side. Uh, what, what what was your question? Uh, just like the Adam Schefter thing, if you had any thoughts at all on him and how he approached Dwayne Haskins, it's perhaps uh, more of yeah. a commodity than a human being. Yeah, I think it's it was, um, it was one of those classic Twitter situations where he definitely messed up um and specifically for the players i think you know you saw the kind of backlash that i thought was warranted and how much that hurt them because i think as a player you go through that in your head of like these guys get judged by what they do on the field constantly this is a you know a metrics numbers driven what have you done lately for me sport and i think they all put themselves in the shoes of you know Dwayne Haskin being like you know if I were to pass away is how people get to talk about me, just the stats I put on the field or what I did for the team. And I thought some of the non-player blowback to Schefter was a little over the top, um, kind of piling uh, on his grave. I would have liked to have seen uh, an apology from Schefter. I know he deleted the tweet and then didn't really reference anything. I think um, that would have gone a long way. I mean, you can generally gauge public sentiment based on the replies to your follow-up tweets. And I mean, it was tweet after tweet after tweet of people who were still upset about that initial tweet. And so to me, like the PR move would have been to acknowledge that that was a misstep. I mean, you've already acknowledged it by deleting the tweet. So why not just kind of put a bow on that by apologizing? And, you know, it's tough. Like there was still even the article up on ESPN after and you know they're talking about his QBR rating and stuff like this and I get that we can't just ignore that Dwayne Haskins wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the league but I do think there's a time and a place and you know maybe you can <laughs> just give it a little bit more room to breathe before we start doing you know a, a breakdown of, of Dwayne Haskins career. 
You have people also pointing out Gil Brandt, the uh, Cowboys scout of note, uh, I guess made even worse comments saying that, and again, I'm quoting here, Gil Brandt, the 90-year-old, went on a, a podcast, said that Dwayne Haskins was a guy living to be dead. Uh, maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things, alluding to Haskins. Uh, at the end of the day, we, and I know Pete and I have actually kind of you know battled with this a little bit amongst ourselves, where we do the welcome to the family bit. It's a fun joke. And then we made sure to not make jokes about like whacking guys, because ultimately these are human beings, these are guys that we don't want to cultivate that, that toxic part of the fan base. And I think if you're a football fan, at the end of the day, like we talk about on this show, this is all about the love of football. Us, you know, going after the USFL, talking about that, us doing best ball drafts in February and March. Like we love this game like you guys do if you're watching the show. And ultimately, you know, you have to remember that these people are human beings. And um, I think sometimes the NFL, as we've seen a lot of times, just kind of forgets that portion of things. So uh, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins and his condolences to his family, obviously, I'm sure uh, they're checking out this show. But it's just, you know, the right thing to do is just to say that and shut up. And that's what we'll do uh, moving on here. Uh, Pete, let's talk about the USFL for a second. First, let me get the plug out for Football Outsiders. I'm sure they love uh, following, <laughs> following that segment. Uh, but make sure to go over to footballoutsiders.com. Lots of great content going up all offseason. If you want to subscribe now, the deals will certainly be there coming up on footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe immediately uh, but go check them out you can get some packages a year-long package are always going to be a great deal we have some good stuff going on around the nfl draft uh courtesy of our friends over at underdog partnering with us to get some quality content including the fo40 boards which give you a take on the real life prospects that are going to matter the most as well as the fantasy prospects so a little bit of everything over at football outsiders that is the goal as we're planning things behind the scenes so go check them out footballoutsiders.com or if you want to subscribe footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe uh but pete i gotta give you the floor here first because I was actually watching USL pre US your USFL preview, excuse me, right before the show. Did a great job here. The production quality that you put in, I could see the the effort that went in. Why it took a little bit longer for you to get out, but uh, tell the people, I guess, what your your key findings are, and then we could talk some more about uh, some items that have come out since then. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, it seems like people have been enjoying the video. Thank you, FF Doom. Uh, that's over on the new channel, which is called Peter Overzet's Deposit Kingdom. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, peeling back this, the curtain, how the sausage got made. I mean, this was the first kind of style video I've done like this in a while and working with uh, a video editor. So this was, you know, written and recorded uh a while ago. And so as you saw, even with the Eli Rogers blurb in there, I didn't end up re-recording it. Um, so yeah, some stuff has changed since then. Um, we did get an update on Saturday night. We were doing the Lulz UFC live hang and Cody Maine, uh, I believe had some alpha that DraftKings said uh, they were going to be posting the contest tomorrow. So on Tuesday. So I know everyone has been wondering when those contests are going to arrive. And then yeah, I just kind of went through uh, each of the teams trying to give everyone a little bit of a primer for, you know, the coach, a most notable player, maybe anything that we could possibly glean for DFS purposes. So we're going to all be flying blind here uh, a good bit heading into Saturday, but I just wanted to give everyone a nice foundation. So when you're, you know, hanging around the Easter table, you can be sure to mention names and seem like a USFL thought leader to your aunts and uncles. Yeah, you don't even have to buy merch like Pete did, just the generic league merch <laughs> to show that you are, in fact, just a fan of football, really, not a fan of a particular team, even though we did declare the New Orleans Breakers to be the official team of Splash Play, and I'm rooting for them. Uh, glad to see Kyle Slaughter get the shout-out on Pete's video, even though I think like you called him, you called him Kyle Slaughter or Kyle Slutter, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in between those two. I no, I actually did the the research on it. There is uh, conflicting reports on how to pronounce his, his last name. I guess there's the like German pronunciation and then how everyone over here pronounces it. 
that I won't, I won't go any further on that one, but it's going to be a don't. lot of fun games coming up there. And again, check out Pete's video on the Deposit Kingdom channel. But the USFL, I thought a couple of interesting things coming out. We talked previously last week about uh, some of the general rules changes that teams can go for one, two, or three pointers. They could also go for an onside kick by taking a fourth and 12 play on their own 33-yard line. Those are kind of the wrinkles that are important. But I thought one that was intriguing to me, Pete, and I don't know if you actually, uh, if you have this, the segment sheet, or I could actually text you the link too. Um, the first down technology they're doing is going to be different uh, this year, and I'm texting you the link right now. It's on yeah. the USFL Twitter handle. You can see uh, a display of the technology there, and what they're doing is taking some of the guesswork out where we we all know the the classic, oh, the chains are being pulled out. They're doing this. They're showing on the field, like, oh, the referees are deliberating, all that stuff. Now they're actually putting a chip in the ball for the USFL, so we are finally getting the one bit of human error that pops up time and time again, uh, taking it, you know, taken out of the game in a way that I don't know that it matters for fantasy, Pete, but it's just nice to see the the desire to be accurate. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I saw a lot of the quote retweets of like, how does, you know, the uh, the multi-multi-billion dollar NFL not have this figured out in a startup, you know, football league is able to do this. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. And uh, hopefully the NFL actually takes a cue from this uh, because there's just literally no reason for ambiguity with ball placement, knowing the technologies we have today. And it's one of those things, too, where this was like a lot with the original XFL as well, that there is going you know, to be some production elements the NFL will outright steal, especially with the USFL being partnered with the NFL. I, again, I've talked, we've had some meetings with the USFL with my day job, and uh, they are very much running the, the Fox production teams as well. And you can see uh, another clip that I just sent, Pete, they are playing with the sky cams a little bit more, which is one of those big original XFL inventions back in the early 2000s that the NFL made part of their game. And what the USFL is doing is, is trying to honestly comes off more like a video game pete where you're they're going up top and you kind of end up following the players in a way where i don't know if it's going to give more insight into the game i don't know that it matters but it does feel like overall just kind of seeing these teams approach things in a different way uh here you kind of see looking more like an all 22 video with that sky cam clip like there's a lot of ways to make this more interesting and, and including the reality show that you talked about in your short form video and we've talked about on this show like they are doing the best they can to do something different and i feel like as a spring football league that's sort of all you can ask of them yeah um, no, I, I like that they're, you know, trying to push the envelope with some of this stuff. I feel like this would be good for, um, you know, an alt angle for replays. I don't necessarily want to be watching this as like a default, you know, view. I know sometimes with the NFL and I even remember some NBA where they would like do a series where it was like the alternate camera angle. And I don't know if it's just because we're so hardwired to view sports through the same, you know, perspective, but it, it's really tilting when they, when they change it. But I don't mind that for for a replay angle. And um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this on Saturday night too of, you know, the XFL contests on DraftKings started pretty big. I think it was a hundred thousand up top and then interest slowly started to dip away. And this is obviously all before the league got canceled because of COVID. Um, I'm hoping that USFL can like go in the other direction and that I feel like there's a lot more hype and buildup to XFL than there has for USFL. You know, it was kind of this bigger novelty thing of spring football returning in a big way. And then it kind of petered out. Whereas USFL, I feel like the hype hasn't quite been there. You know, they're a little slow getting their documentary out. Um, they're going to just all of a sudden plop themselves onto national TV with all these games. So my hope is it can go in the other direction and we actually build steam through the first two or three weeks and kind of pull in a bunch of people along the way, get the bigger contest, get the bigger interest level. Um, right now I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the general interest is there specifically from a DFS standpoint. 
Maybe it's a case where they're setting the bar low, and I think you can make that same argument uh, for some of the USL, uh, USFL odds that I saw our pal Cody Main talking about with our, our other pal, Ian Harditz, over the weekend. And Pete, I just texted you them, them as well. I'm, uh, we're producing here live on the fly with all the professionalism you expect of this show, but Fox Bet, the official betting partner of the USFL, even though there are odds on DraftKings, going to be odds on a bunch of different places. Fox Bet, you know, they're the network that's driving a lot of this, so they are the one that has it. And it's kind of weird, Pete, because these odds that we're, uh, are going to be up on the screen in a second here, like these are ones that are I have Foxbet. I'm in Pennsylvania. I love betting on Foxbet. It's honestly my favorite one to bet on just because I think the odds tend to be updated a little bit slower and give you a little bit more of a sliver of an edge. But these lines, Pete, that they have on the USFL, seemingly wildly inaccurate and also not available in Pennsylvania. So it's one of those things that kind of baffles me. Um, a lot of lines in the mid-50s, which we know from the XFL, very unlikely to hit. And I would say if you are in New Jersey, I think it's one that does have uh, the odds up uh, available to bet on right now, or at least supposed to. Um, you're seeing over 55 and a half for the general stallions game over 53 and a half for gamblers, Panthers over 53 and a half for stars breakers over 56 and a half for bandits maulers. Uh, I don't see how a single one of these bets hits the over Pete. Um, I'm completely with you. We saw this exact same pattern um, play out with the XFL. And I will tell you this, I, I will bet the, every one of these, if I can on the under and be so, so happy if I'm wrong, because that means the product and the level of football and the actual um, competency of these offenses will be so high to sail over these totals. Um, I will be happy to be wrong if that's the case. But yeah, I think I'm I'm max betting the unders on, on these totals. Yeah, the you know, minus one and a half, plus one and a half. Again, Cody Main, if you want to check his Twitter, you can see some of his takes on what's going to go on there. And we'll dig into more of that on Friday's show. But I'm with you completely. Like, I know you talk about this a lot, like the concept of the emotional hedge, where I think you bet the unders. That, to me, seems like the right play based on what we know, based on the fact, too, that as Pete talked about in that USFL preview, a lot of these coaches have made pretty clear they want to run the ball. They want to establish the run as, as all these you know kind of old school coaches do, these guys that fall out of favor in the NFL. Maybe besides Bart Andrews for the Philly team, I think is one that's been a little more going the other way. Uh, Kevin Sumlin as well talked about slinging it around. But really, I find it hard to believe that these won't all be unders, and maybe one of them hits the over, but I think you're probably going like a round-robin parlay to me. If you could get that for all these unders, I feel like it would be a pretty smart bet to take right now. Yeah, um, it's... I, I, it's, it's eerily similar to what played out, uh, with the XFL. And I don't know, I don't know where they're kind of, what kind of data they're using to set these or why they would be so bullish. I, I know they're clearly not spending that much time on these lines compared to some other stuff, but you would still think that they would want to protect themselves a little bit more. Um, but yeah, big, big ass numbers right there. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. And I know that I mentioned on the show, too, that we had heard that there were some operators having problems figuring out the algorithms for um, how they would normally take action. And, you know, as a result, that was why there haven't been a ton of USFL lines out there. So, again, this is me, you know, giving a little bit of insight that really doesn't add a ton of value. But I would say I think that there is an expectation here that will probably be more of an edge in week one and week two than you would normally find. Certainly more than you would find in NFL week one and week two, where there's so, you know, it's proved out. They know what works. They know what people are going to bet. They know how to get the odds where they need to be to have the highest likelihood. Uh, for these bets to hit in the USFL, there's no data. And if anything, uh, I know Justin Freeman over at Run the Sims is going to be in Birmingham this week, or at least that was what yeah. I had heard last time. Uh, he's the, there doing the eye test. And Pete, if you want to plug Run the Sims, please do that because Justin's products will be as good as anybody out there. But ultimately, like that is legitimately going to be an edge this week. It's just having somebody who knows what's going on because these books, I think, are flying about as blind as could be. 
Yeah, uh, I, I thought Justin was pulling my leg when he first told me about this, but he's dead-ass serious. He's going to Birmingham, Alabama this weekend. He's going with, he's dragging his family down there under the guise of a family vacation so he could do some boots-on-the-ground scouting uh, there. So I bet we'll get some uh, pretty good content and tweets from Justin on that little expedition. And yeah, they've been getting the, uh, the depth charts up there uh, on Run the Sims, getting all the Sims hot and ready. Uh, here and you know the sims are going to be doing a lot of uh work i think um or I, I should say i think the sims are going to be much much more valuable after the first weekend of action i assume kind of the inputs on all of these for market share and in play tendencies and pace are going to change wildly based on what we see happening but i think that's also what's going to make this first weekend uh so fun the game on saturday three on sunday i'm assuming we'll get a, a single game showdown contest for saturday and then hopefully a three game contest uh for easter so yeah check out run the sims uh they're gonna have you guys covered and you can get 10 percent off with uh promo code pete and access to the private usfl run the sims channel in the deposit kingdom discord as well yeah i would say for me personally if i'm playing this weekend and the tournaments are up to stuff and i'm certainly going to make that my goal i'm probably going to use justin's median projections as well because i think justin's put more work into this than probably anybody we know outside of cody main and um i don't know if cody's doing projections or not pete i guess uh we're, we're going to try to get cody on the show on friday right uh yeah i have i haven't reached out to him uh about Hopefully that he's but available. yes he's full-time yeah. now he should squeeze us in <laughs> i know justin is also uh open to uh to doing Ooh. a show too so we'll we'll, we'll get a we'll get a xfl or a usfl thought leader on for friday a real one not one who just buys the no. merch <laughs> shows no. up and expects to get going um an interesting point from tube socks in the chat mgm new jersey has the over at 43 uh i would agree with that fully and bullock also making a very good point that i would say in general for betting especially as i've learned more uh, from our data science team in my day job illiquid markets will always leave the highest inefficiencies that is very much the case if you are somewhere the, these fox bet lines hit as they are in your state i would try to pop the under right away because ultimately those lines are going to drop quite a bit as that mgm line i'm um, showing the tube socks references in there but pete are you ready to dig into our draft here we got a ton to talk about of course we got a best ball draft we love doing that on this show so um, i'm excited to hopefully get some good stacks in because uh, i gotta assume the super flex is pretty close to filling now Let's see here. Yeah, we're at 83% filled. Um, I guess I haven't been watching the exact clip as it's been filling, but my hunch says like within another week, and there's generally a bit of a snowball effect at the end. I know people will kind of max register for their slow drafts when they can tell that those are filling up. So I bet we'll see a speedy finish here. And I would say, yeah, if you're looking to get entries in, you probably want to do it within the next week. And as you can see, I've turned my hat here, so I'm ready for business. And I think, too, uh, when we get through the NFL draft, I think we're going to try to do a special segment. I haven't, I haven't even told Pete yet, but he's going to go along with it because it'll make for good clips. Our favorite best ball stacks, I think, is going to be where we need to start to dig into here because we've landed on some that I've enjoyed. I personally was a big fan of our Drew Locke stack the other week. Um, we've also been sniped on some Mahomes stacks, some other good ones. But I think, ultimately, once we get through the draft, we could start to you know really dive down on some content um, and really start to make a case for, I think, the, the really the holes we want to bury ourselves in in best ball this year aaron is back after last friday's uh fiasco I, we are here and aaron here's the problem now i'm gonna even keep a closer lookout for who you're drafting and how i can screw you over 
uh, but welcome back. Uh, Bullock wondering too, uh, if we could maybe do a rookie and sophomore draft uh, sometime. Yeah, I think we could definitely do that. I assume this draft will fill before the rookies and sophomores. So Spags and I could certainly hop into a couple of those. We've done a few of those on ship chasing, which I'm sure you've seen, but uh, yeah, Spags and I, I mean, we, we enjoy drafting and that there's a chance that might be the only contest up for a couple of weeks. So we'd probably definitely be hopping, hopping in that. Yeah, I think we did one in between when the Superflex hadn't been out yet. So we did do one of them, but I think, you know, certainly more knowledge out there. The talked about football outsiders. They've updated the FO40 to reflect things moving around a little bit more. Guys like Sky Moore have have, have soared <laughs> to the FO40. Uh, so there's a, a lot of interesting wrinkles here that have changed since then. So I see no reason why we can't do that next week, um, especially if this one does fill, which going to be pretty close, I would think, for our shows next week. Yeah. Um, wow. Top shot. The second I turned off the stream, you guys go rest in peace. I mean, this is, I mean, this is what we're trying to condition you to realize you can never turn off this stream ever. Sure. If you miss a second, you've missed it all. That's what we always say here on Splash Play. But if you are watching live or watching after the fact, whether it be on Peach Channel or the Splash Play channel, which we're going to start, again, putting some clips out on that. Honestly, I should have done one on the wide receiver rumors on Friday, but it just didn't happen. But it'll be coming soon, so make sure you're subscribed to both and hit the like button. It does help us out a bunch. Obviously, you're always trying to beat that YouTube algorithm is going to be an important part for what we're doing here. So I hit that like button and, of course, subscribe to Peach Channel, subscribe to the Deposit Kingdom, subscribe to the Splash Play channel, uh, subscribe to... Uh, TMZ. I don't know what else. <laughs> what other YouTube content out there that we want people to subscribe to? Um, all right. We are going to be up next. We have found ourselves in this uh, familiar spot before. I'm really curious to see what uh, Afuru does here. See if he wants a running back, if he's going to go quarterbacks. He does go Burrow. I was really hoping Burrow would fall. Um, I know we've done the Russ thing. Have we done the McCaffrey thing? Have we done the Cup thing? I don't think we've done the Dak thing. Any of those three interesting to you? Um, I mean, we've done Russ, as you said. We could do Dak. I'm open to Dak. I, McCaffrey, I don't have enough confidence in anything with him right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's uh, let's do the Dak thing. Okay. I like I like that we're calling it the thing. Like, I feel like we've slowly, for as much fun as we make fun of Bill Simmons on this podcast, I feel like we've slowly evolved into him just using things, stuff interchangeably. We're getting really I, grown into our, our loins as, as broadcasters. I didn't even know that was a Bill Simmons dot, dot, dot thing. Um, so I... <laughs> honestly, the Bill Simmons subreddit, if you ever have time and yeah, and if you actually listen to that podcast, like you still have to be, I think listening sporadically to get it out of there, go to the Bill Simmons subreddit r slash Bill Simmons. Cause boy, they have gotten mocking him down to a science. And as any fan subreddit becomes Barstool is the same way. I think all these subreddits, like they eventually like they love you and then they love to hate you. And that ends up being what the, the life cycle of any broadcaster is. Yes. Um, that's when we'll know we've made it instead of going to the subreddit to trash us. They just do it in the chat. He, he doesn't like the DAC thing. I actually don't. Um, I don't know what the issue is with DAC. I, I have no, no problems with it. Um, I think if, you know, he didn't get injured, um, or that offense didn't, you know, sputter at the end, I guess I just don't see any reason why he shouldn't be in the conversation with Kyler, Joe Burrow, Herbert, like he's still right there for me. And I think a notch above Russell Wilson for me. I also think with Dak, we're actually going to have a shot to get the stack we want, which I think is a big part of why I was willing to go there. Um, just because we have had these QBs, we had Mahomes last week, weren't able to finish the stack because Travis Kelsey went that fast. I'm pretty confident we can get CD lamb and I'm pretty confident we can get, you know, James Washington, Michael Gallup later on. So I think that's a, a decent approach. Yeah. So structurally here, I haven't, I haven't done the like 
solid QB double tap, I would be fully fine to do Dak and Jalen, and then we can really, really push QB three out. Um, or yeah, I mean, if, if Justin Jefferson was there, I was going to be like, that's really hard to pass on. Um, but this feels a little flat to me and I would, I would rather have Hertz than Lance and, and Watson anyway. So yeah, I didn't see anyone else like really jumping out to me. I also think for Dak, you know, not to make the case even more, and Jalen Hurts certainly is the most extreme version of this. A Levi in the chat saying Dak can get hot. Like Dak can run the ball more. Like Dak can do more things. He's not going to have to feed Amari Cooper and also probably for part of the year, not going to have to feed Michael Gallup quite as heavily while he makes his recovery. Like, I think there's more room for Dak to be singularly great. And I also think like we clearly have to get CeeDee Lamb coming on the way back. But I think, like, to me, that target tree got so much more concentrated just because you're going to have less bodies there. No Cedric Wilson, no Amari Cooper. Like, somebody will step up. Maybe they do take a rookie. But I think overall, like, a lot of this is going to flow through Dak's hands this year, and I'm willing to make that bet on him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the Cowboys are just such a national punching bag, too, because they always choke in, in the biggest moments, and they make very questionable decisions. They clearly featured Zeke way too much this past year. Um, but I do think there's there's hope. In the same way, we would always lament the Seahawks. It's like, can you imagine if they just let Russ cook? What would this offense do? I mean, to me, that's how I feel a bit about the Cowboys. And, I mean, you can, you can say the offense uh, took a step back with Amari, you know, leaving uh, in free agency, but... Um, I don't know. I still think they're probably going to draft another wide receiver. I do think CeeDee Lamb can take a leap. I think Michael Gallup is legit. I think Dalton Schultz is a top tight end. I think all the weaponry is here for Dak to have a big bounce back year. And and who, God, if they could ever not feature Zeke and, and give Pollard the ball more in space, I do really think you could see this offense uh, take another step. And Bullock, again, not to, we'll call out some other chats here because there are some interesting points being made, but starting two divisional stacks leaves you open to having a game stack in the playoff weeks too. Uh, that was our thesis last week with the AFC West when we drafted on Friday, and I feel like that's going to be the same case. And I think if anything, you know, the Cowboys having a little bit less talent up top means it's more likely that NFC East is going to be flat and give all these teams a chance to be playing. And uh, Pete, I don't know, like unless Brian Dable, I know where I'm a believer in him and I think you are too. It feels like there's a pretty good shot that both Eagles and Cowboys will be in this until week 17, week 18. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a nice tiebreaker uh, for right now uh, when doing these drafts here. So yeah, I'm interested in it. Uh, it's Mookie uh, theorizing maybe Traylon Burks uh, becomes a cowboy. Uh, I think that could be interesting. I saw in ESPN's latest mock draft, I, I linked to it in the, uh, the newsletter today, they had Burks going to the Titans actually um, right around that same pick. So the Cowboys have pick 24 overall. I think that is right in the range where Burks is kind of projected to go. And yeah, I mean that he would be kind of the perfect fit alongside CD. I just realized we are on the clock though. Do you want to lock him up? Yeah, I think we got to get CD. Yeah. I also think CD is one of those guys that, you know, we talk again a lot in the show year one to year two, year two to year three. Those are where the big jumps come. And CD Lamb, I think with the Cowboys, you know, being knocked out last year, there was a lot of talk about how I think Troy Aikman was like, yeah, I would feed this guy 10, 11 times. Like that's what he should be getting instead of worrying about that. I there's a decent shot. That's actually what happens this year. So I think we're buying in on CD Lamb in the third round, but like, can he reach first round value? Maybe it's a little bit tougher in a super flex, but overall, I feel like if anybody here is a young player who could make a jump, like we've already seen Justin Jefferson ceiling. I think we've seen, you know, Jamar chase, probably he could certainly make a jump too, but CD just the target concentration plus the talent level rising. Like there's a lot of ways I think CD can really move up the food chain. Uh, Pete, uh, Jay Brooks, give you a $10 super chat here. I don't know if this is like an ongoing troll thing, but I'll, I'll give you the floor. Cause Davis is your partner, not mine. 
Uh, yeah. So Jay Brooks asked a question. If you're a longtime Swolecast uh, viewer, I believe it was two years ago. We had this entire conversation. I think Sammy Reed called it out. There was a clip. And uh, yes, as you explain, this uh, is correct. Davis is aware of it. Um, you, if you search through Twitter, you can find a clip of us joking ar around about this. But yes, this is not breaking news, unfortunately. I don't want to. I don't want to out anybody here, but I will say, you know, I've talked in this show. Pete and I both occasionally enjoy the the spoils of of the of the devil's plant. Um, is Davis a weed guy? Because I feel like if that's the case, you know, like sometimes I run out of breath, and if you're talking at a high speed and you maybe have a little bit of that resin build up in your lungs, I could see how that would be an issue. That's another common misconception because Davis kind of projects as a skater stoner, but no, he's. I'm pretty sure he's straight edge now. Has been sober uh, for for a good bit. Um, for a long time. So I think he, uh, you know, sowed his oats in high school and, uh, and now is a good old boy. Straight edge, hardcore Davis Maddock. That's what we always talk about. The CM Punk of, of professional <laughs> uh, fantasy football analysis. And uh, GA saying I, that I think I've seen JJ ceiling. I think Justin Jefferson, look, he can be a little better. And there's probably some regression coming his way touchdown wise with Adam, Deal, uh, Adam Thielen and how he's run the last year. But I, I just, I don't know how he could be that much better than he's been. Um, so real quick, I think there's multiple directions we could go here. We could tack on another wide receiver and Tyreek Hill. If we want to tight end structurally, I think we could do pits. And if we want to get a bell cow back, I think we could roll the dice on Camara or Chubb. Um, I'm okay going Camara. We, we've taken a lot of Tyreek this offseason, both as a yeah. chief or, or presumptive chief. And now as a dolphin, I feel like we can, we can go Camara's way. Cause we just never go Camara's way. Yeah, we don't. Um, he's a guy that I've had very little exposure to in these drafts. I don't mind getting him here at this price. I was bummed to see Swift go. I feel like Swift is um, basically maybe like a safer and higher upside version of Kamara uh, right now at, you know, very similar skill sets. And I think what they're going to offer you by way of fantasy, but I think just way less kind of downside risk than with the Kamara situation. Uh, but yeah, depending on how potential suspension stuff shakes out, I think getting him here and, you know, hoping he is, you know, our bell cow back at this price is, is not a bad bet. So we got some time between picks, Pete. So I'm going to just read some of these chats. Ryan Jones saying I've gone elite tight end in these drafts, only taking two because it helps structurally because it gives you a chance to take an extra shot at a QB if you're weaker or a skill player. If you went heavy QB early, uh, do you have any thoughts, Pete, on taking an elite tight end early? I feel like you've. I don't think you've pushed us towards that that much. I think you've pushed us more towards the pits tier of guys. Uh, but I would feel like, I guess that still could be an elite tight end structurally. Why don't I see that chat in, in the stream yard? Do you see it? Um, I don't, it was up a little bit, a couple, like a couple ago. So maybe that's why, um, it's above Levi and Bullock and GA 007. Um, I can't find it, uh, for some reason. Um, but yeah, just talk, I mean, I really, really like the advantage that the double tight end gives you um, both from, or sorry, the elite tight end, because one, it gives you more roster flexibility. You know, I think when you don't get the elite tight ends, especially early in the off season, I, I really think you probably want three tight ends to, to cover that. So you get roster flexibility. And then on top of it, it's just one of the few spots, obviously quarterback and tight end where you can get a strong positional advantage on the rest of your league. And it's even more pronounced 
at tight end than it is at quarterback because we know that that tier of quarterback uh, can can spread a little deeper. Um, whereas with tight end, every year we see maybe two, three guys that have the capability to put it up. So I think it's just a big advantage, um, specifically for getting out of your 12-man league. We are back on the clock. Um, I still love Brees Hall, and I also love uh, George Kittle here on that same elite tight end point. I think let's take Kittle just because we're going to, I presume we're going to try to get Schultz at some point. And certainly I believe in Dalton Schultz. And I think um, we talked about sort of the target concentration there, but but Kittle, I know like we can trust for the most part. And then that'll give us a ceil- uh, a floor and a ceiling at the position. And then maybe Schultz will beat him some weeks. Yeah. I mean, this is, we're going to have to get it with one of our, mm, I guess, tight end. Yeah. So we probably can detour away from it. You see at the top right now, Schultz and Goddard are the next two tight end picks. Both would make a ton of sense for us to stack up with our quarterback. Um, I do like your thought in that whatever one of Schultz and Goddard we get, we could then be done at tight end, going back to that tight end flexibility thing. Um, I'm just thinking interesting here. Their ADPs are a little lower, so depending on what the room does, um, I don't think we should reach for one of them at this pick. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like there's a, a shot that we get sniped, but I would say that overall, um, I, I'm happy with getting either of those guys. Um, let's see people. Uh, also Jay Brooks saying he's been wondering about this for years, gave another $5 chat. So he wasn't trying to be a joker, uh, perhaps trying to be a toker, but uh, you know, either way that's Jay Brooks for you. Tokers, not jokers. Um, Tube Sock says, is there elite tight end this year? Kelsey has age concerns. Kittle blocks all the time. Waller with Adams. To me, I think about the elite tight ends in the same way. Uh, or let me, let me get back to this point after we make this pick. Um, where are we going to go? So let's see here. Uh, I think, I mean, I I would be fine doing one of the wide receivers, uh, Deontay Johnson or Terry, or if we wanted to be done with QB, but I, I think we can push QB a little further. Um, yeah, I would say Deontay would be my pick because I think yeah. we, we have taken some Metcalf, of course, the famous Drew Locke stack. And and Metcalf, too, like, would it shock you if he's traded within the next week and a half? Like, I don't think that's a crazy thing. And at that point, I just, I don't know what the outcome would be. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to go back to this point because I was, what I was trying to say is uh, how I think about the elite tight ends is similar to how I think of the workhorse bell cow backs. And, uh, you know, our, our buddy Pat Corain wrote the article for NBC sports Ed last year about, um, how we need to be looking for running backs with legendary upside and you can poke holes in all of the running backs, right? You can poke holes in Christian McCaffrey, you know, having injury concerns. You could talk about Nick Chubb having pass blocking concern or, uh, uh, pass catching uh, role concerns. And so, but the question with all of them is if the stars perfectly align, do they have the profile and skill set to be a legendary back and have one of the, you know, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell esque seasons. And I think of that the same way with tight ends, all of the concerns you're talking about, Kelsey age, Kittle blocking Waller with Adams. Those are all fair concerns, but we know with those tight ends, if the skill, if the stars do align that they can have a legendary 15 plus touchdown season because we know it we've seen it we know their talent profile so is it the most likely thing to happen probably not but if you do get that what was it 2020 travis kelsey season you have such a massive advantage over your league in the same way if you got the you know christian mccaffrey season from from 2020 or 2019 i can't remember now you just are running away from the competition so placing high risk high reward bets 
um, I think is completely fine. If you're going for the safest possible thing, then yeah, they're not the best way to, to use your capital because tight ends get hurt almost as much as, as running backs do. But I still think if you're just shooting for the moon with upside, it's one of the best ways to do it. I would also say, you know, it kind of depends on your views and we didn't take Trey Lance, but I do think if, if you're going to assume Trey Lance is the starter, he's not going to be in the block quite as much. Like if anything, you know, Trey Lance is going to get out of that pocket. You're going to see more broken plays, which is where Kittle's always been great. Just getting out in the open field and being able to take advantage of coverage breaking down. So in this spot to me, like I, I agree. Like, I think there's a lot of risk to all those guys, but there's also, you can make the case the other way where Kelsey, no Tyree kill, maybe gets even more end zone equity, uh, maybe gets even more, you know, chance to get those catch and run type of plays. Uh, We've talked enough about Kyle Pitts. I think, you know, he's a little bit short to me of the elite tight end range, uh, but it's still a guy that can break out, can, make that jump into year two uh, mark andrews certainly was better with huntley than he was with lamar jackson but you know it's still shown the upside time and time again so i think you could nickel and dime all these guys or you could talk yourself to the narrative going the other way and, and for me with kittle like i think him with trey lance like i think that could be a game changer and and maybe depot forces his way out of town like you don't know and that would certainly open up a lot for kittle as well yeah yep and it's um like I said, you can go through every one of these players and poke holes, but it's like, who, who gives me the massive upside if things do hit? Um, all right, we're back on the clock. I mean, I'm very comfortable. ETN's been my guy in all of these drafts. I think he's way too cheap here. Um, I also think Devonta Smith, if we want to mm-hmm. get get that stack there. But I do think at our next pick, we're going to take uh, probably our second tight end. I think Devonta would be my pick. Um, I like that too. I just don't see anybody supplants him. Like certainly Goddard's a, a very solid play, but um, he, Goddard hasn't been taken yet either, right? Or did he just no. go? Nope. Yeah, so either way then, we're going to get our stack going. And like, you know, Goddard's really the only one who could take meaningful touches away from Devonta Smith at this point. Um, and I think another year of him playing with Jalen Hurts, hopefully another year of trust for Jalen Hurts, allowing him to open the ball up a little bit more, get the ball downfield to Devonta. I think that bodes well. I actually like... I. We've had some tough ones lately, P. We even titled the one a spiteful best ball draft on Friday because people were sniping us left and right. I think construction-wise, we're building one of our better correlated teams we've had. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing when you feel uncomfortable during uh, a draft. It means you're probably pushing an edge in, in, a, in a fragile way and hoping that it works out. But this, this draft does feel pretty comfy. To us, and I think that happens in Superflex when you start with two quarterbacks, and that's why you see that start so often uh, because no one likes getting boxed out of quarterback, and then you really start to feel gross uh, about your team. So yeah, I think we're in a good spot now, and as you said, we're kind of cleanly hitting some of the stacks we've been wanting to get, and sometimes the pocket of the draft kind of lines up in a way that makes that easy, and sometimes it doesn't. I think just in general, I want to say we've picked more on the edges so being in the middle gives us a little bit more of a chance to let guys fall and not feel like you're having to reach, you know, 10 picks ahead of ADP for a guy. <laughs> uh, Connor making a good point that Kittle has a 75% route rate, which is absolutely fine. It's not Kelsey's 78%, but highly comparable. So there's another another way you could use the data to make your case for Kittle, or you could probably find some ways to go against it. But then also, uh, an interesting point by Jay Brooks. Do the boys do birthday parties? Like, you both come to Dave & Buster's and we do a live underdog draft. My birthday's coming up sooner, and I want a birthday I'll never forget. Honestly, that'd be a very fun live show format as you just do live shows and do drafts. I don't think we could sell out arenas or anything, Pete, but I think uh, for us, you know, a 100-person room maybe, watching us do a live draft it could it could work uh i mean jay brooks seems like a nice guy but if we're doing this i might have to roll out a kyc thing uh just to learn a little bit more about jay brooks before we agreed to doing his uh his birthday party but yes i i promise you for the right price 
Spags and I will, will come and do anything. Oh my God, Nobo, you fucker. God. <laughs> so Dallas Goddard goes, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, rugged once again. I, <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. It was going to be too perfect. Um, all right, back to the drawing board here. Um, Mitchell? Ugh. We've taken a lot of serving. Yeah. Well, it because we have Kittle and we're making a bet on this. I mean, ugh. Yeah, it's fine. I don't love it, but it's fine. Yeah, it's not. That was uh, <laughs> that felt hurtful. I would say the way that that lined up, and I don't think anybody did it to, to deliberately be mean to us. Uh, but but Aaron did say in the chat, "You guys want me to take Schultz or Goddard? I'll let you choose." Um, Aaron, you reap what you sow, Pete, and you were mean to Aaron on Friday's show, and now he's come back for revenge. Yeah. What what team is is he Nomo? Uh, I don't know. I thought he was Hawkberg, maybe. Yeah, and I thought he was actually being nice and offering an olive branch by taking Hawkinson instead of Goddard, and then Nomo comes out of the woodwork. Also, Connor pointing out that you did say that you would give Jay Brooks anything he wants in a draft, so we end up having to kiss Jay Brooks. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> like I said, if the money is right, we will do anything at your birthday party. Look, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, look, even a million dollars, I would like, look, if you give me a million dollars, I'm I'm jerking dudes off. I'm doing whatever, <laughs> whatever's thrown out there. Like you gotta, everybody's got a price, I, the million dollar man used to say. Can we talk about the difference between me and Spags? So the difference is, is Spags and I both made the same joke and I allowed a little bit to the imagination, some ambiguity there. One, so you could imagine at home and two, to not get us in trouble. And Spags just forget the ambiguity, just cuts right to the heart of it and says the worst possible thing you can think of. I just want to be crystal clear here that if you're out there, you win the best ball, you know, what best ball mania, one of the big tournaments. If you want to spend that money getting jerked off by a moderately famous internet personality, I'm your guy. <laughs> We're not even around 10 yet. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's so funny too. This is way not a thing you should be joking about 3.15 p.m. on a Monday, but here we are, Pete. This is what happens when baby delirium sets in. Yeah, I mean, this was a very rough round and a half for us. We get sniped <laughs> on our tight end. Spags goes completely off the reservation. Oh my goodness. Uh, Corbin Welsh here, of course, our good friend. WTF. Uh, I mean, look at maybe uh, talk about Cockney, Pete. That's, that's no, Cockney. no, no. <laughs> I'm used to doing these on Fridays. So that's why it's like a different mindset. In other news, I am uh, accepting applications for a new Splash Play co host. You can drop those in my inbox. Um, all right. We are on the clock here. Quarterback's been wiped out. Um, I do like uh, Michael Carter. I do and too. Then, okay. Yeah. I'm a big Michael Carter believer. It feels like they're clearing some room for him. I think their commitment too to getting another wide receiver in feels like that could bode well, even though you're taking some touches away. Opening things up downfield for Carter could be a win as a guy who can, has shown the pass game work and the ability to also uh, make the most out of well-blocked run plays. So um, I think there's a lot of ways Michael Carter takes a jump this year. So Ninth round for him, I feel pretty good about. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of a nice blend with, you know, we take Camara, an older back that has a lot of risk. And then we, you know, kind of come back and balance that out with uh, two sophomore backs that you would hope um, could see their role increase uh, in year two. Uh, is there like a, a 
style of draft that you would give to this one with how we drafted where we took Kamara, you know, not super early, but early enough. And then we took these two running backs. Like, is this hyper fragile at this point? Or I don't know how that this would, would be called modified anchor running back where we waited to get our anchor running back, but we are, you know, tree. I, I would say a lot of people did this last year with Deandre Swift, or at least I would do it where, you know, you would wait till the third round and then just use him as your anchor. And you'd, you draft it in the same way as if you got Jonathan Taylor, wait till sixth, seventh, eighth round to grab your second guy. Um, but just trying to, you know, buy the dip, but then proceed as if you are correct and Kamara is a top five back this year. Okay. That makes sense. I, I hope it's on your roadmap to do like an explanation of all these terms as a video, because I think that's, that's one <laughs> thing I've seen the articles. Like I know Crane's talked about it at NBC sports edge and like obviously ship chasing, you talk about it all the time, but I feel like just having it in one place that I can actually wrap my head around it is something I'm personally looking for. All right. I'll do it for you. Spags. I'll Thank do you. the, the definitive, uh, best ball explainer video. See Pete, did you, and you're taking requests. I'm taking requests. We're all taking our own form of requests here. <laughs> Um, all right, Nomo, what are you going to do? Um, this next pick, I mean, I'm definitely down to roll with one of the, uh, rookie wide receivers. Uh, Garrett Wilson does go. I was also looking at Drake London there. Anything interesting to you? I I'm intrigued by Drake London. It feels hard to take him over Lockett, but London's a possession guy and seems like he should be one of the top drafted guys. So I'll support my USC alum and go Drake London. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Lockett is pretty cheap here, even going six packs picks after ADP, but, um, we can, we can take Drake London here. Um, the chat also had, uh, mentioned earlier that we could have taken Pollard to go with Dak. I think that's a good suggestion. Um, it's still hard for me to take, um, Pollard over Carter, but I think you could certainly make the argument with the correlation that he would push ahead in the same way that we, I prefer, you know, AJ Brown and Debo over CD lamb, but the correlation here made him uh, a better pick. So point taken. I think we could have considered Pollard there. Uh, Bullock all saying, Pete, that looks more like a modified bimodal fragile RB. So, I mean, you got to put that one in the dictionary of terms. Yeah. It, I mean, if, if we didn't have uh structural draft naming conventions to argue about Twitter would, would almost just be, uh, be quiet during the off season. It is one of the few things that everyone can agree to disagree on. And so I'm here just doing my part, saying a name, drawing the, uh, the battle lines and, and we can, we can hash it out. Tube socks coming over the top with a rock and jock style one bimodal hyper semi-fragile zero fragments and lever modified scope variable RB strat. Uh, I don't even know what half those terms would mean in this context, but I like it. I like really coining a niche term for just this show. Yes, exactly. And it really rolls off the tongue there. Bimodal, hyper, semi-fragile, fragmented, lever, modified, scope, variable, RB strat. It is my preferred way to draft. I got to say, you know, like one thing we, Pete and I've been trying to be mindful of is generating more clips from the show and just, you know, given these moments. And I feel like well, we're really hitting our stride with that, with things like that, just time and time again here on Splash Play. Yes, um, that's what we're doing. Where they call us the clip factory uh, around here. <laughs> we, uh, we've been empty in the clip, some could say. I also was uh, trying to keep my eye on Miles Sanders uh, in the same way that uh, we were holding out hope for Pollard. I think Sanders would have been a nice little Hertz uh, stack as well. So bummed to miss on that. Although we do have a little Michael Gallup potentially coming back around to us. That would be nice. And then, you know, James Washington, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to get whenever we so desire, if should we so desire. 
Yes, although you never know in this room, all these spiteful drafters. Yeah, I feel like Aaron, you know, Aaron got his revenge already. There's no point doubling down on revenge. You don't like, you know, that's there'd be one revenge is enough. You don't need multiple revenges. Yeah, I'm only gonna call you a fucker once. So once once I said that, I mean it's it's done for. So don't think you're getting any more attention. I'm entering my stoic phase of the draft. I would have a hard time taking Gronk in the eleventh round. Like, no, no disrespect to uh, Long Bomb McFly there, but I feel like uh, there's enough uncertainty. Like, I'm surprised he hasn't officially said I'm coming back, and maybe that's just you know Gronk feeding into the drama, enjoying the offseason partying, all that stuff. But I, I feel like that's a lofty price for a guy that like would it shock you if he just did TV? Um, no. It, it I guess, yeah. I think you're obviously getting some discount on him relative to him announcing that he's coming back, but you're not getting like a massive discount, right? Um, you know, I think once we know he's back, all right, fucking Corbin, how, bruv, how could you do that to us? <laughs> Corbin, you disgust me. More like Horbin. Right. Um, <laughs> let's I'll pull it together. Spag, let's pull it together, Spags. <laughs> Um, who are we going to draft Mayfield? Uh, do we want to go back to the chase Edmonds? Now we got enough running backs. Do you want to go Gesicki or a Kui Boonham? A Gui Boonham. Yeah, we, we haven't taken him. And even though we tried to get the Denver stack a couple weeks ago and, uh, certainly can replace Noah fans production and, and benefit from the rising tide. Uh, would have been nice to get a correlated tight end, but you know, here we are. I snuck that one in. Oh my God. Nimble. PD picks fingers here. That one was close. I don't know if you were watching that one. It got hung up. I think it was the, the draft uh, algorithm was even wondering if I got that in, in time. Uh, Consigliere saying gauge or woods. I was thinking Russell gauge. I just like the ADP feels a little lofty for him, but he can certainly be a monster, especially if Godwin uh, comes back a little slow from that knee injury. So you can make the case there. I just, I would have, I didn't feel strong enough to advocate for it. Pete gauge or woods, the bullet is the, the correct answer. <laughs> the correct answer is you should have been drafting wide receivers before then. Uh, no, I, I, I think, I think both are fine. I also wouldn't have minded chase Edmonds there, but I feel like we've gotten a lot of chase Edmonds, but like one of those plays though, where we didn't take Tyreek when we had the chance to take him. So we kind of could have hedged on not taking Tyreek at that point. Um, and maybe some more touchdowns go Edmonds way, but like, you know, I, we've got enough chase Edmonds. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is a guy that I have been seeming to draft a lot. I guess the assumption being I'm slightly higher on him than the market. Um, I had also been drafting a ton of Moster in the the first non-Superflex big board. So I think I just see a lot of potential in that backfield. Um, all right, so I definitely like the running backs here. I like Ramondre. I like Rojo. I don't mind Tyler Boyd. Um, if you love Kenny Pickett, we could be done at quarterback. What, what do you think? I would go Ramondre out of all these guys. <laughs> take Gordon for Spags. GA 007 says, I'm going to say not taking Melvin Gordon this time. I don't, um, it seems like he's going to Baltimore is what we talked about on Friday. Um, I don't know if that's just, you know, the agent leaking some stuff to try to get, uh, that contract to the finish line, but I, I'd rather take the young back who's shown some pass catching ability in this particular spot. Yeah, and I mean, I agree with Matt's thesis that he's going to earn touches. I, I I don't disagree with that. But, you know, one thing we talked about all last offseason 
um, where the difference between these two-way committees and three-way committees, and we saw Melvin Gordon and Javante both be serviceable, startable running backs in a, a strict two-way committee. There was no third back eating into those touches. We now head to Baltimore where I don't think Gus Edwards is just going away. And I think Gus Edwards is pretty good. We know JK Dobbins isn't going away. And so now you're looking at kind of a true three-way committee there. And so instead of getting, you know, the 15 touches a game, you know, he's getting in Denver, he might be in the eight to 10 touch range, at which point it's really hard for him to get spike weeks without incredible efficiency, big plays, lots of touchdowns, which I just don't necessarily see for him at this point in his career. So I'm a little less stoked on Melvin Gordon at this time, just because of the Ravens landing spot. The Ravens absolutely crush Melgo's value. Connor says, "I yeah, I would agree. I think it's it certainly makes him like one of those DFS plays for sure. But I feel like for best ball, I like the value of him was having that 50-50 timeshare with Javante Williams. And if that's off the table, like is anybody in Baltimore going to get fifty percent of the touches? I, I kind of find that unlikely. No, I mean I, that's why still, uh, and hopefully we continue to get an injury di- or uh, just a, a value discount on J.K. Dobbins because for best ball." He, we still know he's capable of really big plays and explosive plays. And so I think J.K. Dobbins can have some very big weeks in that offense. But like you said, I mean, I don't want to be drafting any of these guys for season long unless I'm getting a, a really big discount. Also, Willis, people have been talking about the Willis team that he's going to, of course, our accountant Willis who's now in the offseason mode. So he doesn't have to do anything for us uh, to keep this going. But I feel like I, it's happening every time we do a draft, Pete, where people are like, oh, like I love this guy's roster. And it's never ours. Uh, but does Willis's roster stand out to you as being something special? This happens on ship chasing too. And every once in a while, I have to tell people that uh, you got to keep your eyes on the prize. And that's the uh, the team out of the eight hole. And sometimes the, the chat starts lusting after other teams. And yeah, we get we get our feelings hurt. Um, let's see. So he has the Derek Carr to Darren Waller. Okay. And the Patrick Mahomes to travel Travis Kelsey. So the double elite tight end stack there. Um, and then, you know, rounding this out with uh, some nice other picks until he took Melvin Gordon. Um, but yes, I get it. I get it. Willis has a sexy stack. And he also leveraged against us by taking Zeke. And then Chris Olave has been tied a lot to the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, that's classic. Willis just kind of hurting us, even though he's a part of the team. Um, all right, we are back up here. I do not like this, uh, running back range. Um, I think we can make a case for a wide receiver or if we want to get our third QB, with Jimmy Garoppolo and just assume he doesn't leave and is the quarterback uh, for... I would take Tim Patrick out of this group. Okay. Because we, we got a Gooey Boonham, um, who... I Am I saying it correctly? Like I, He's one of those names that, like, I am I just wrong? Like, is it... I've debated this, and I had looked it up for a video, and I am 99% sure it's Okui Boonham. So not so I'm saying with a G, so Okui Boonham, whereas I'm calling yeah. him a Gooey Boonham. <laughs> Yeah, someone in the chat I think called you out for yeah, saying gooey. Right. Right. Like I, I like my Boonham's gooey. That's what. I, yeah. <laughs> especially if there's a million dollars on the line. Um, I would say in this spot though, Patrick, like I like making the play for the lesser Broncos receivers because I feel like we have a decent core here. So let's get the guys that are going to sort of maybe bubble up in weeks that the others higher drafted guys like uh, Judy as well as Sutton. You know, maybe they just have weeks that they falter and then we see the other Broncos get there. Yeah, I think my issue with Patrick is I think I just prefer Hamler straight up, but um, and Hamler's just much cheaper, but I, I don't hate it. Um, GA says in Superflex, can you plan to play just one QB for the bye weeks? I mean, you can, but um, I still think you want 
um, I think you want three startable QBs or at least three quarterbacks that have the potential to start. Um, and then tube sock saying, do you take three or four QBs in these drafts? Um, I mean, I'm generally taking three or four. The way I think about it is the same way I think about standard drafts. It's just like, how did you expend your draft capital? So we took Dak and Jalen Hurts with our first two picks. We're making the assumption that these guys stay healthy and have big seasons. So at that point, we're expecting to use their scores almost every week. And so I don't mind then for our third QB having it be like an upside rookie. You know, I think I would want to take Corral, Ritter, or Howell, and then just see if they can help us out, you know, by the time these guys' bye weeks hit in, or maybe by the playoffs, they're chipping in a week or two. Um, whereas if I would have waited at quarterback, say you really punt it, I think you want four or five um, because you haven't put the capital into it. What if, so actually, this is a question for you. Uh, well, uh, we got to pick here. First, yeah. Um, let's see. I don't think, do we, do you want a tight end? No, I was messing with my cue the wrong way. <laughs> um, man, this is gross. Yeah. Um, McColl, uh, Gainwell in, in case there's a week that hurts doesn't pop. Yeah, we could do Gainwell, And then I think we're probably close to Don at, at uh, running back. You could sickly area saying the guy that I like Ritter would be the, this trash QB who's not, not trash, but like the guy who's a lower drafted QB, I think could step in and have some value. Um, I would take him over Corral or Howell personally. So um, yeah, Ritter would be my guy. Yeah. I think we, we could probably take one of those guys uh, on the wrap. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think we needed to now, but I think if we can get Ritter on the way back, I'd be, I'd be pleased with that. Um, Pickens on the turn too. I, I do like George Pickens, but he went, so I would, that wasn't even a case to advocate for, but I do like George Pickens as one of those guys that I've seen enough people talk about, including our football outsiders experts uh, talking about Pickens as a guy that, you know, could step in and add some value right away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think once you're at this point in the draft, uh, I, I was listening to uh, the road of his podcast and Sean Siegel was passing along an anecdote from Blair Andrews, who writes the wrong read at road of his super sharp guy. We've done some drafts with him on ship chasing and he summarized, um, that talking about upside in drafts, like when you get later into drafts is basically just code for how many rookies have you drafted? Um, and, and in a lot of way, obviously that's oversimplifying things uh, a bit, but it is very directionally accurate. Um, as far as which of these players could massively outperform their ADP. And it is almost universally the rookies. Yep. I think that makes sense. And I uh, see Jameson Crowder going there. Um, Jameson Crowder kind of interesting because like he could be great next year or he could be cut in the preseason and neither outcome would surprise me even a little bit. Oh, poor Willis. Yeah. Willis was trying to set up the, uh, the triple stack. He did grab drew lock and then he was one pick away from Noah Fant for, uh, the premium QB tight end triple stack there. Rest in peace, Willis. Nothing more premium than a Drew Lock stack, as we know on this show. I I really hope, out of all the the bets that we've made this year, I hope that Drew Lock ends up winning that starting job and at least keeps us alive for that Seahawks stack to be useful. Because if that Seahawks stack does happen and DK Metcalf doesn't get traded, there's a lot of ifs here. Uh, but if that if those things all happen, I like Drew Lock a lot, and I'm intrigued to see what can happen for a team that really should be having to play from behind quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many ways the Drew Lock thing goes wrong, uh, but if it doesn't, it could be a lot of fun. I think there's a ten percent chance it goes right, and I feel like we got good value on that ten percent. Uh, all right, we got some rookies. We got 
Did Ritter go? Um, yes. Oh, damn. B Brick took Ritter. Yeah. Um, I would say, oh, you want to get James Washington? Yeah, let's do that. I also think somebody pointing out, I think we talked about it earlier on the show that, you know, maybe Justin Jefferson finds a ceiling more uh, with the coaching change here going to Kevin O'Connell at the at the head coach position instead of uh, obviously the lesser offensive minds that have been there in the past. I feel like Osborne's the one that benefits most. Like Osborne or Irv Smith, I think, are just guys that could see, you know, more creative concepts getting them open. So I wouldn't have minded Osborne here, but I think we need Washington to at least get, you know, one more Cowboys receiver in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were running out of options to, uh, to get at least a DAC double stack, uh, there. I don't mind Osborne, uh, either, but as far as what we're doing with our, our double stack, and now we have, you know, we have our two double stacks. We have DAC to CD and James Washington. We have Jalen Hurts to Devonta Smith and Gainwell. So not the sexiest of double stacks, but, uh, they'll get the correlation job done. Of course, it's always going to be the case on these draft shows. Uh, when we have somebody in the chat that says something that makes our team sound better, we're going to do it. Matt Parnes in the chat saying, as a Steelers fan, I think Washington's underrated. I do think he got kind of lumped in as bad, even though he wasn't bad. Like, I think he also, you know, going against Claypool, going against uh, Deontay Johnson, going against Juju, like it was, it was hard to find a role for him. The Cowboys need that deep threat now. They need somebody to take pressure off of CeeDee Lamb and, and also to a lesser extent Dalton Schultz until Gallup is back and, that could be Washington. Like I have no issue. Like, you know, we could see Dak throw the ball up and James Washington can certainly go get a deep ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he, he fits perfectly for, for best ball and, and what you're trying to do there. I mean, you basically are asking yourself the question. Um, it's week 16, week 17. Is it possible for James Washington to have a, a two week or a two touchdown spike week? And I, I think that's firmly in play uh, with, with his skill set. You can't spell spike week without, we hope James Washington is good. Yes. Don't, don't check our spelling on that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to really have to think through our fucking quarterback thing because it's starting to get desperate. I mean, do we want to take Sam Howell or do we want to just keep drafting wide receivers? I would take Huntley. So this is what I was going to ask you before that we got cut off. Well, we can wait, we can wait a little bit on Huntley. I think let's wait on Huntley because that's a play against not taking Lamar. Um, all right. Wide receivers I'd entertain here. DPJ, Kendrick Bourne, LaVisca Chenault, Nico Collins, KJ Hamler. DPJ. There's definitely a, there's definitely a pathway for him to be good this year just on the pure strength of Deshaun Watson uh, you know, playing all the games as we talked about. It does seem like suspension. The longer time goes on, suspension seems less likely. And um, he's going to have to throw it to somebody. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is a body that's in that room that's on Amari Cooper. Um, yeah, and also Spags. I, have you not learned anything this draft? If we're not taking the player at the current pick, you cannot mention him. Otherwise he will not be there when we do want to take him. <laughs> That's a fair point. I just don't think anybody, I mean, I believe in Huntley as a concept because we, again, we didn't get Lamar early. So I feel like that's, that's how I think about it, but I don't think anybody's going to run to take Huntley above his ADP. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't mind the, the GA suggestion too of going with uh Brissett uh as the DPJ stack, hoping things go south with the Watson suspension. Actually, this is a question now for you, Pete, too, where like are you when you're doing a lot more of these shows? Like obviously we do one a week here on Splash Play sometimes too, if we're feeling real frisky. But as somebody that's doing so many live stream drafts, like are you starting to change your your verbiage around things so people don't snipe you just for the lulls? 
<laughs> I mean, early, early on in the season, I, I don't care. Um, I think once we, once I start drafting best ball mania teams, you know, we'll be making a serious investment into maxing it out. And I'll be thinking carefully about balancing my portfolio and all that jazz. Maybe I'll start to play it a little close to the vest, but uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding right now. I, I don't, I don't care if anyone snipes us. Yeah, because for me, ultimately, I care about the content we put out there, and you got to give, got to give your best foot forward in terms of a take. I would never withhold that. Uh, no, you know, the information quality, sure, that that's gonna vary from time to time, but I will give my knowledge as best as possible for all of you guys out there, because that's all we can do as as hosts. Yeah, I mean, where it really comes into is on on ship chasing when our, we're doing our high stakes season long drafts, you know, and you have, you know. $2,000 on the line for the pick, then you start to, you know, use the private chat a little bit more. <laughs> I think that's fair for, for this level of tournament. We can, we can have fun here. We're just here to have fun. We're not here to, to make money. Uh, unless it's at your birthday party <laughs> and you want us to do yeah. very specific things that uh, Spags is apparently willing to do. And you want a joyous ending then then this, then we're here to make that money. <laughs> God, I just hope this draft can have a joyous ending Spags. <laughs> I think it will. I feel I feel like we built a good, interesting, you know, spiky kind of team with also like a decent floor built in based on the construction. Yeah. Um, let's see. All right. So we got a four QB team here. Yeah, I, I do think I like the uh, I like the brissette, the brissette call. I think it's um, it's a similar idea to Huntley, but I think you have multiple where Huntley's more of a true handcuff play on Lamar getting hurt. I mean, we know Brissett's going to play some games. You know that there's still kind of uncertainty with the Watson case. Um, and we already have the DPJ stack. I feel pretty comfortable with him as our QB3. Okay, that seems reasonable. I, you could have made the case for KJ Hamler too, just to really lever all of the, the non-superstar Broncos receivers. Well, I'm not. I'm leaving a candle on. Uh, I would have been more upset getting sniped on Brissett as our QB3 than losing out on Hamler as Nomo takes him. Nomo... The words can barely come out of our mouth before you are laying in the shadows, ready to pounce. No, no more good picks for us if we're going, <laughs> going behind him. All right, there it is. Well, she just gave me the idea. Nana Pete. Maybe if maybe if things start out not working out, maybe I should do Nana Pete on Cameo, you know, and just uh, you know, five dollars a pop. Uh, have Nana Pete shout you out. Honestly, like. I don't, how do you think we would do on Cameo? I think you would do better for sure. Um, but overall, like, I still feel like there's some portion of the, my audience out there that would pay me for cameos from the Barstool days. And I don't, I don't know. I don't think it'd be a big earner, but I think we could, we could make some pocket change. That's, uh, you know, one of man's big value adds to the, uh, man's coin NFT community is your, your NFT comes with an annual cameo from the man's and about, I think about 40 to 50 people have cashed those in so far and uh so yeah you know the man's has some cameo reps under his belt is that is the value adequate enough for you relative to an actual cameo yeah because it's all about the community spags that's <laughs> true i hear i am thinking pure money and hand jobs and you're out there giving people real value lasting memories some are saying um all right so thinking about structurally so we have three more picks um the only must I see is at least one more wide receiver. Um, and I think we have some flexibility beyond that. Um, one guy that I was just noticing here is Dearness Johnson and to just kind of continue to flesh out our bet on the Browns. I know he's their third running back, but I think he'd have a pretty big role if Chubb got hurt and he, he just looked really good last year. I could accept that. 
I mean, it, it's, you know, we know they, they're bringing back Hunt, which does make it a little bit tough, but it's not like these guys, neither Chubb nor Hunt, like, it's not like they're immune to injury. We've seen them miss enough time. Yeah. Um, yeah, Connor got uh, cashed in uh, a cameo where the mans went hard on him uh, on Wordle, um, and the, the community is out. So structurally here, um, like I said, one more wide receiver in the 19th, and then I would say you could make a case for... Uh, a third tight end or uh, a fourth QB if you wanted to grab Huntley? Um, I mean, I still don't mind Huntley. I I feel like Cedric Wilson shouldn't be going this low. You know he's not on the Cowboys anymore. We can't get that stack. No, I know that. But I mean, like, they did just pay good money for him. Like, they didn't do that just to put him on the sideline. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't mind him. It's like one what? of those things, you like the contract money. I just feel like sometimes people miss that. Like Pringle too. Like actually, but he, here's the thing: are when you adjust for correlation, are these guys better picks than Quez Watkins? I I just think the Eagles bring in somebody else to be that number two. Yeah, but I don't I don't think we're counting on Quez to be the two. I mean, Cedric Wilson's not going to be the two. No, I guess you no. could make a case Byron Pingle could could be the two, but I also think they're going to bring someone in. See, I don't think they are. All right, well then we're at a standstill. <laughs> it's, it's a real hostage situation with both of us pointing the gun at each other, and which no, way will we go? I, I'll just keep talking about Pringle, so someone will take him. That's how it works. Oh God, I'd love Pringle here. Just fits Look, exactly. Uh, Willis took Cedric Wilson, which I think shows if we all love Willis's team, that we must by proxy love my take on Cedric Wilson. Wow, there you go. The, see, I told you if, if you if you mention a guy, he he's gone. Yeah, I Amari Rogers too. Tube Socks pointing out like you got to think again. Green Bay is going to bring somebody in, but Amari Rogers is going to get there. Like he's here gonna... it comes, Corbin calling his shot. Corbin, Corbin. <laughs> are you touchy dog? I <laughs> oh, loves the snipe. That's what Corbin Welshia does. All right, so do I get my wish in taking Quez Watkins? Yeah, I guess I guess by sheer force of will. Again, Amari Rogers still there too. You know, right now, wide receiver one. Sorry. The correlation bros are out today, and the correlation bros are controlling the mouse. We got sniped on so much correlation already that I'll allow a little bit of correlation to occur. Um, final pick. What what position are you feeling? We're at a three, six, eight, two build right now. Oh, if it's a three, six, eight, two. <laughs> I guess that really is there even another option than to take uh we like I will say, Benjamin. Yeah, I've been drafting so much Eno. Um Trey I wouldn't McBride even still there too, and he's gonna be the top tight end taken. Yeah, I was actually looking at these tight ends. Um I didn't mind Uzoma or McBride, but they will both go. Let's see. If if McBride lasts, and now I've said it out loud, so clearly he won't. Um, he does grade out well, and he's also a good blocker, so he should see the field early. So I don't mind going Trey McBride, and now he's gone. <laughs> and he's gone. T-Bear? You fucker, uh, fucker yeah. T-Bear. That's T-Bear for you. Classic T-Bear. Just <laughs> doing T-Bear if, if there's a rookie tight end out there to be had, T-Bear's going to be all over that. <laughs> Um, let's see. I mean, why can't we get, if we could get Taysom Hill dual tight end eligibility here, I mean, he'd be a smash pick for us. I think, I mean, is that Kenny, is he actually 
able to play tight end in this? Um, no, I'm I'm kidding here. Okay. <laughs> DFS will be playing a lot of tight end. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, we're gonna do this because I see. Do you see what's happening here? No, Mo, make your pick. Corbin is worried about his jet stack. He clearly needs a third tight end here. I'm putting CJ Uzoma in the queue. Edith Corbin, two can play that game. Oh, CJ Uzoma. <laughs> now you're a pirate? <laughs> oh, CJ Uzoma. Sailing the high seas. Sorry, sorry, Corbin. Oh. <laughs> How the tables have turned, Corbin. You, you know what? Got to give Aaron credit. I don't think Aaron screwed us over one at one point at all. So, Aaron, uh, the higher ground belongs to Aaron Eisenberg. Is his last name? I forgot. Yeah, I mean, it, he did. I, I I mentioned it when he did it, but we did need to confirm. Um, it was a peace offering for him to take Hawkinson instead mm -hmm. of Goddard there. So you're you're back on good terms uh, with us. Can't say the same about Corbin, who are we are in a, a bloody battle with now. I love that you're buying in on giving him this vaguely Cockney, vaguely uh, Pirates of the Caribbean accent, because I think it just works for the name. Uh, you know what I'm getting ready for? I'm going on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast tomorrow with uh, Sean and Calm, who is Irish, and they put out a question or a, a tweet getting questions for the show. And someone requested that I break down the rookie class in an Irish accent. So I'm just starting to get you know get lubed up for that. Okay. I'll get lube. Now we're dropping them. And Terrence saying, good draft, guys. Thank you, Terrence. I appreciate that. I do think we had a good draft. And I think that's really at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. Yes. Look at this. Everyone, you know, is happy at the end uh, here. And uh, let's see, Spags, looking at our thing. So this was our one, two. This is our fourth uh, super flex draft that we have uh, we have drafted together. It honestly feels like more, but I guess we were doing some other different formats. So that's probably why. Yeah. Um, and anyway, Aaron, uh, a class act who is going to have fun staying poor from what I'm told by our <laughs> Friday episode. Yes. I mean, Corbin, you should be hurt about the Jets night, but you shouldn't be hurt by the accent. If anything, you should feel celebrated in that your culture and people are heard and valued. I mean, look, you go to the Osimo streams, there's a lot of characters that are just things I said on a show once. <laughs> like did, like Ben Ross, they still called Dr. Ben Ross, because I just thought it'd be funny to call him a doctor for like no reason at all. So I think if there's one thing we do well in this show, Pete, it's give people a little bit of texture for their, for their existence online. Exactly. Um, well, we appreciate everyone. Like you, like we said earlier, we will, we're going to pull together a fun USFL preview show for Friday. So we'll get a guest. We'll have salaries. We'll have, uh, all kinds of stuff to, uh, to mess around. We'll get back to our roots, uh, build a lineup, little ride or die. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be a great one here. So make sure you're following at Peter Overzet, at Chris Spags, and at Splash Play Pod. Um, we're doing lots of great stuff on there. Of course, putting all the content out there for you guys. If you play on Underdog, if you want to do a super flex draft for yourself, use that promo code SPLASH to double your deposit up to $100. And as you can see here, we have a lot of fun doing these drafts. So you can have that fun for yourself. Maybe less fun nicknames, less jokes about J and O. But either way, it's still a lot of fun to have over on Underdog. So go use that promo code SPLASH over there. Of course, we couldn't put this show on if it weren't for Football Outsiders. So go over to footballoutsiders.com right now click some articles even if you don't want to subscribe yet uh but have honestly get to the information on there uh read brian Knowles' uf usfl takes to have some uh, a base for yourself come friday show and we'll be back on friday at 2 30 eastern so come hang out with us then dfs usfl we're gonna be here for it we'll see you guys then